The following Dharma talk was given by monastic Shoan Ankele at Zen Mountain Monastery. Shoan is a Dharma holder in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is given free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone who's not in this room, but with us. Um, my name is Shoan. I use she, her pronouns. I'm one of the monastics here at the monastery. And um, I um, recently had the great um, opportunity to uh, travel to Japan, the land of my Buddha ancestors, and spend six weeks training there. And I've been back for about a month, and I wanted to... Um, speak a little bit about that experience, but in the context of a, a talk. So hopefully in a way that is um, bigger than just uh, a travel log, but can actually offer some of um, both, I think, the, the spirit of why I went, which I think is um, probably very relatable for most of you here. And then also, what it is that um, enriched my life and practice, which I hope can be an offering to those of you here too. So I'm going to um, begin with uh, some lines from um, Dogen Zenji's fascicle Busso, Buddha Ancestors. Actualizing Buddha Ancestors means to uphold and see them in veneration. It is not limited to Buddhas of the past, present, and future, but is going beyond Buddhas who are going beyond themselves. It is taking up those who have maintained the face and eye of Buddha ancestors, formally bowing and encountering them. They have manifested the power of Buddha ancestors, dwelt in it, and actualized it in the body. So this gathering this morning, this weekend session, this monastery is completely the growth of the vows and practice of our Buddha ancestors. And if in some distant time in the future, there are people, maybe here, I hope, in this hall, practicing and studying the way that will only be because of us today. Buddha ancestors is a really personal situation. What is a Buddha ancestor fundamentally? This is the whole of our practice. It's what we take our seat to see into. It's the path, you could say, of Zen. 
to discover this Buddha ancestor for our very own self. The thing that motivated me to um, want to go to Japan to begin with, you know, I've been practicing Zen for almost 30 years, and I really had lots of opportunities before I moved into the monastery. I mean, you know, I had, I had the means and the time to travel to Japan, and I was never interested. And it was brought up to me by some people like, oh, don't you want to go to Japan? You're so into Zen, da 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 And I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I've got like what I'm looking for in Zen. And um, I didn't feel drawn to it. And so um, it kind of came upon me out of the blue. And um, I think it has everything to do with stepping into more responsibility and, and feeling myself um, in the strange situation of um, being asked to sort of continue offering our tradition, our dharma here giving beginning instruction, giving talks, sitting in the interview room, starting to feel like, okay, wait, wait. What is this? Like, I know what it is for me, but where did it come from? Like, really? And I was um, in my cabin one, one afternoon, one long, quiet afternoon, about a year ago, over a year ago, um, in September last year, and I was looking at a um, coffee table book, a beautiful coffee table book about the teachings of Dilgo Kense Rinpoche, who's a Tibetan teacher, and it's filled with these amazing images of um, Tibetan monasteries and monks and um, rituals and ceremonies in the Himalayas, and um, I was going through it and um, so appreciating what I was seeing, and uh, I had a moment. My eye fell on this image of a monk, and in my recollection, a beam of light came through the window (laughs) and illuminated the page, and I thought, wait, Zen has this. I'm in the middle of an ancient tradition. I want to touch that closer. And I took my time before um, saying anything that might actually turn the wheels of, of, you know, trying to make something happen to see, like, am I serious? What is this? And so it was probably almost a couple months later that I brought it up with Shugen Roshi in Dokusan. And he was immediately supportive. He said, I want for you to do that. So from the beginning, the thought was to go to Japan to experience training, Zen training there. And um, we have a a kind of an amazing connection with um, the uh, International um, Soto Training Monastery in Japan because the abbot of that monastery, Sato Suzuki Roshi, 40 years ago, was a young monk here at ZMM. And he, um, he and Dido had a great friendship. And he lived here for two or three years and really helped to, um, right in the early days, bring in 
um, different aspects of the ceremony and form of Zen as he knew it. He had trained at Eheiji at that point. He had been to Komazawa University, which is where you get educated if you um, are uh, going to pursue a career as a Zen priest. And then he had spent a couple years at Eheiji and had come to the United States to help Maizumi Roshi at Zen Center of Los Angeles. And somehow he and Daido met out there and they really hit it off. And so Daido invited him to, to come and help here. And um, just so you get how like tactile this is, that stump, okay, that the large case sits on, Seido Roshi, when he was a young monk, he and Dosho-san, another young monk, found that. They were looking. They knew, okay, the case has to go up on something, I guess, right? And they found that in the woods around the monastery and cut it down and finished it and brought it in. And the meal bell that we strike. So traditionally, that would look really different in a Zen monastery. The umpan is like a flat sort of metal um, gong. And um, they were looking for something here. And uh, I guess it's like a fire, firehouse bell <laughs> that was turned this way that apparently they found in one of the old green cabins or some, some place on the property. And they were like, oh, well, this will work, and hung it up. And um, that incredible line of cherry blossoms, you know the cherry trees outside the front? There's a, there's a few of them. You really notice them in spring when they're in bloom. That's from um, Seda Roshi as a young monk was driving around the, you know, probably doing post office and errands or something. <laughs> and he passed an old uh, a house in Woodstock where there's this beautiful old cherry tree. He like parked the car. And so he tells it he went up to the door and knocked. And an older woman came out. And he said, this is the most magnificent tree. Like, may I take some cuttings of it? for my monastery. And she said, yes. And those are the cherry blossoms. So I was at Toshoji Monastery for one month. And, um, and then following that, um, I was at um, Aichi Senman Nisoto, a women's training monastery, for 10 days. And that was really the, the, the I, I spent a, two nights in Kyoto, and a quick overnight trip to Eheiji. But mostly I was embedded in those training environments. And I was reflecting on, you know, what, what, like what, what did I bring back? You know, what did I get? What did I find? Um, <laughs> and, um, it was very cool to feel how many of the things, uh, well, just how familiar everything was, like familiar and sort of like at an angle, right? I recognized so many things. I had the uh, opportunity to do some different service positions and um, they were all like a little different, but familiar enough. Um, uh, there were things that I recognized right away and things that afterwards I would be like, oh, that's where we get that from. Um, so that was, you know, cool. It was cool. <laughs> but
But what I really feel like as I've been reflecting on like, oh, like what? It's like texture. You know, there's like new construction, right? And you can walk into like a beautiful, modern, newly built home and just appreciate, oh, those big windows and how the kitchen's been designed so elegantly and everything's smooth and streamlined. And then there's like walking into a really old house that's come down across generations. Everything's crooked and funky. There's smells. You peel back the wallpaper and you find eight layers of wallpaper underneath, right? The stairs are actually worn in the middle with an indent from so much up and down. It was kind of like that. So I am still um, digesting that whole experience. It's come in my dreams a lot, just a texture. I'll know, like, oh, I had another dream about Japan, but I can't always say what, you know? So one of the things that was so um, energizing to me was to feel how, how does the form... Like, okay, so a lot of it was familiar. I see, like, where this all comes from, right? And, and I was trying to feel into, like, okay, what's happening? How does it work? Why is it like this? Across the centuries, why is this what's come down? Zen, sort of um, the, the, the founding story, you know, the kind of original myth of the Zen tradition is that Um, the Buddha transmitted the Dharma to Mahakayashapa and said, I have the true Dharma eye, the marvelous heart-mind of nirvana, the true form of the formless, and the subtle Dharma gate, independent of words and transmitted beyond doctrine. This I entrust to Mahakayashapa. And so Zen is kind of... um, not kind of, it is this, the, uh, this, this mind-to-mind awakening that's passed on through, through people studying and practicing the way. So, you know, we speak about it as a lineage tradition and a, a lineage of awakening. And, and as practitioners, perhaps, you know, it's like, well, There's a lot that's in place, but actually it all comes down to like you on your cushion. And like you can't really do the things that you do by yourself. I mean, you can't really do the things that we do here together on your own, right? It's like um, at the beginning of one continuous thread, um, you know, people were, were, and maybe some people are still doing this, we're all different, but people were trying to do sashin so one continuous thread is like our online version of session and um, that we started during COVID because no one could actually come. And so there's the live stream camera 
and um, people would practice from home, following the session schedule. And, and the feedback really quickly was like, okay, it's really hard to do the whole thing of session by myself at home. And so it, it changed how people were encouraged to participate and that became much looser, much more flexible, much more adaptable so that you could come in and go out as you, as you need. And so there's a way that like, we start to see or feel like, oh my gosh, so much is possible somehow when we're here together. There's the obvious things, and then there's the things that you can't quite say like why it's that way. This people part. Sometimes Shugen Roshi will say it's a living thing. So one of the things that really um, struck me right away was just like the simplicity. I think that's a real characteristic of Zen. Simple, simple. How do we train? We wake up, we sit quietly, we chant and bow, we have breakfast, we do work, we have lunch, we do work, we sit quietly, we go to bed, I forgot supper, we have supper. <laughs> That's it. That's it. The residential training schedule is basically that. When session comes, it's more sitting, less work, more services. It's so simple. And I could feel that so, it was so, like, the first morning that I was at Toshoji, um, I was, like, sitting, I wasn't yet allowed in the, in the Soto proper. Um, so there, the room for sitting is its own space, the Soto, and then the room for services um, and Dharma talks is a separate room, the Hato. And so... Um, there's Tangario. In order to enter the Sangha, there's a period of Tangario where you sit by yourself, you're alone for a few days, and I had an attendant, this wonderful um, uh, nun, um, very experienced nun, um, Kokyo-san, who had been ordained and practicing for 23 years, mostly not at Toshoji, um, and she would come and get me and, and my roommate. I had a roommate who also entered at the same time as me. And we would, she would like scurry us to the Soto and scurry us back. And we, you know, like I was looking at my journal notes and I wrote like, I haven't really had a chance to look around because we were just scurrying back and forth all the time. I think it was on purpose, like just this one little path. And you do that for a few days. No one else can talk to you. So you're sort of left by yourself. Me and my roommate talked too much. We didn't really get that we were supposed to not talk to each other either. <laughs> anyway, she's very cool. She's from Zen River in the Netherlands, which is another white plum sangha. And um, she's been a nun there for eight years. And we actually had a lot to um, talk about. I knew that she was for me when it was like the first few minutes, you know, she came in. I thought I might have a room to myself. It was one of those. And then it was like, oh, the Zen nun from the Netherlands has showed up already. I was like, ah. Oh. So she came in 
And um, she was unpacking. She could speak English, which was lovely. And um, I can't remember exactly. Somehow, um, I think she, she asked me, because I'd been there just you know, for a few hours longer than her, and she said, how many women are here? And I said, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, can bar- I barely looked around. I was like, definitely less than the men, though. And she, and she, she like gave me, um, she said something like, sorry, I didn't think I was going to include this, so I didn't think it through. <laughs> um, she, said, she said something like, you know, like, yeah, well, there's always, um, there's always more guys in Zen. And then she said, but not for long. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's talk. <laughs> um, anyway, so, <laughs> so we were, um, we were uh, I totally forgot, I was talking about the morning, Kokyo-san. So Kokyo-san was taking us back and forth as part of our tangario. And then um, we did an entering ceremony. That's what I wanted to say. We did an entering ceremony. That I was, while I was doing it, I was like just concerned about the form. I was the first one, so I had to like know where to bow and da 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 da. And like we come in, we do this, we do this, we do this. And after it was all over, I was like, oh my God, that was totally a new student entering ceremony. Totally. Anyway, <laughs> that's where it came from. That's where it came from. I would have just thought, like, we made that up, Dino made it up. Like, no, no. It's the ceremony for when a monk enters a community for a period of training. Yeah. So um, that first morning, sitting on the gaitan, because I wasn't allowed in the soto yet, that's how we got there, and just listening to the birds the dawn birds in Japan. And wow, have I spent hours listening to our dawn birds. And I just felt like my world's going like, if it were a movie, it would have had like a, you know, blur effect. (laughs) And then um, we did, uh, uh, chanted the verse of the Kesa in Japanese, and had morning service, everything, of course, in Japanese. And I was totally like having to follow Kokyo-san for the form. There, it's like all body teaching, very little instruction, just you're expected to observe and follow and pick it up. And, um, and we had Oriyoki breakfast. And then it was, it was during morning cleaning, Niten Soji, caretaking. Um, I was assigned to sweep the courtyard. And we had these um, brooms made out of bamboo twigs, traditional. And um, when the courtyard is very sandy, and so sweeping the courtyard, there was this sound of (laughs) There were a few of us doing it. Very quiet. Toshiji's kind of down um, in these mountains and just like I actually had the thought, if this were my whole trip, that would be enough. (laughs) There was also that aspect of of one body. And of course, these were both um, all monastic training environments. 
And I appreciated the way that um, uh, some of the facets of that training were really like, oh, like, this is different. I could feel our, like, or my, I should say my, like, American independent spirit getting a little bit shaken. So everyone wears Samoe all the time. Um, there's no, like, Samoe over blue jeans like we do here. <laughs> I kept thinking Daido Roshi used to talk about two Japanese monks who came to the monastery um, for some kind of ceremony or something, or maybe it was a group of them, and they were walking out, you know, in the driveway and saw there used to be an American flag out there, and um, one of them said to the other, cowboy zen. <laughs> I kept thinking of that while I was in Japan. I was like, I like cowboy zen. It's like, Cowboy Zen. So the Samway over blue jeans, totally Cowboy Zen. Um, but uh, the, the monks shave at the same time, do their head shaving at the same time, chant Agatha, and then shave each other's heads. Um, and uh, and um, the, the schedule is uh, just, just pretty much like ours, like I was saying, but there is a bath that's inserted, so bath is part of the schedule, bath time. And so you're, you're bathing with your fellow monastics, um, which was uh, lovely. I've never been so clean. You know, here at the monastery, you've gotta like work out when you're getting your shower. There, every night, 6 p.m., like I'd pack up my things. Um, depending on the day, some days it, it was uh, formal, and you would wear your whole um, uh, robes to the bath. So that was very interesting. I guess this is the segue into the other thing that I wanted to say. There was like the total simplicity, right? And then there was this other aspect of the devotion. This is here in our practice too. And the way that the form is asking you to bring a mind of reverence into this very ordinary activity. So um, for, for bathing, there's an altar. There's a separate room with an altar in the bathhouse, and there's a bowing mat. And um, you make an offering of incense, and we bathed in pairs. So you and your, your pair would um, chant the bath verse um, and then do bows. And the bath verse, did I write? So we chanted in a Japanese, but it means bathing the body, may all living beings wash body and mind free from dust, pure and shining within and without. Um, and there's a lot of those verses. We do a lot of verses here too, right? We have like the meal gatha. Um, the work gatha, the evening gatha, the four vows, the gatha on opening the sutra. Monastics have the head shaving gatha. We do the gatha of atonement to start each week of training. The verse of the kesa is a gatha. So all of these things where we're actually um, bringing a mind of reverence. And as you know, it's easy to fall asleep on the job, right? You like say that gatha every day, sometimes more than once, and you can just like go through the motions, but it's there to awaken our reverential minds so that we see that right here in the midst of ordinary activity is the wondrous mind of nirvana. It's non-dual. So I was appreciating that's the training. That's the training. You're never outside of it. You're never apart from it. 
It's right here where you are. Wake up. I did find that challenging, actually, that all of the chanting in Japanese, because um, it made me appreciate how the language, uh, understanding the language really makes a difference. It really matters. And so, you know, we would do the verse of the Kesa every morning in Japanese, and at one point, I had um, a service position. Um, it was called Denin, and it was kind of a combination of main bell and altar usher and altar attendant, for those of you for whom that's meaningful. And so um, you, would miss, you would miss the second period of zazen, and you would go into the hato and um, prepare the altar, light the candles, um, prepare the haku box, um, there's a water offering that was refreshed every day, and as the weather gets cold, the idea is that the water offering is hot. So there's water offering cups at all of these different, um, uh, I guess, altars. And um, so you'd go and tip out the cold water and have just boiled up. I'd go to the kitchen and boil a kettle of piping hot water and pour that in. But the thing that that meant is I wasn't in the zendo with everybody else for the verse of the kesa in Japanese. And so those mornings, I was by myself in the hato. And when I chanted the verse of the kesa by myself, I chanted it in English. And it was like so good to have the meaning of the words go right in while I was doing it. I did feel a little bit out of touch because of the language. All of the chanting that we were doing, like I always had to think like, okay, this is the Heart Sutra. I know what that is, but while I was chanting it, I was kind of just hanging on for dear life. <laughs> yeah. Going beyond Buddhas who are going beyond themselves. So in that simplicity, in that reverence, that we have this opportunity to drop the self, right? Just going beyond ourself, Buddha ancestor. That's the training. It is taking up those who have maintained the face and eye of Buddha, of Buddha ancestors, formally bowing and encountering them. I um, honestly feel like I have such a debt of gratitude to Seto Roshi for his incredible hosting, so generous with me. And one of the acts of generosity that I experienced was that I was assigned to be Jisha toward the end of my stay. And um, uh, part of just like here, part of the Jisha's role is to accompany the abbot and the morning rounds in Canton. And of course, um, some of you who've had service positions know, like you get the training and someone walks you through it, and then when you do it live, it's like a whole different situation. And so I'd gotten the training and I knew what to do, and you go here and you offer this and da 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 da. 
And it was the first morning of, um, we did a short session, and that's when I stepped into the role of Jisha. I was waiting by the altar, and I had the incense, and, you know, I'd put the slippers in the right spot, and the, 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 the right lights were off, I was ready. And then um, Seda Roshi came in, and suddenly there was a person there, a deep practitioner of the way, for sure. And just to be there at the altar as he like took a moment before we offered the incense and to feel um, his practice made a big impression. And one of the things that um, I loved most about that role is that at the end, so, you know, we would go through and offer incense and then um, Roshi would take his seat and... um, they sit in like an elevated, uh, kind of like a big chair. I think that weird chair that we have in the refuge room is sort of our cowboy's end version of the, um, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, of, of the abbot's chair. Um, and uh, you would, he, he like, there, everybody wears slippers in the zendo. This is one thing that I could have done without, the slippers in the zendo thing. They didn't fit me. I was like, can't we just be barefoot? Anyway, side note, I don't want to get distracted. <laughs> but he would take his slippers off, and I, um, the jisha would come and, and, and move the slippers um, and put them... I'm forgetting what I did now. But anyway, you move the slippers, and then the part that I really loved is... Um, the teacher, he, he was wearing his kesa, but then he would take it off for zazen so that during the verse of the kesa, he was putting it on with all the monks. And so he would take it off, and he would get to this point, monks, you know what I mean, right, here, and he would lean like this. And then your job as the jisha was to take each end and take it and fold it the rest of the way. And it was so delicious. And the person who trained me was like, Fold the kesa correctly. Don't rush. He was like, people get anxious. Everyone's still. It's zazen. It's the Roshi's kesa. And they fold the kesa incorrectly, and then he can't put it on right. It's like gone the wrong way. And so like, take the time that you need to fold it correctly, which was really wonderful encouragement. And it meant that like, I, I received that teaching. And like, when it was time to fold the kesa, I just like totally folded the kesa as it should be folded, and I just loved that. And I want to also mention Ayama Roshi, um, because she was uh, the abbess of the Nisodo, and she's been the abbess there for almost 50 years. She's in her 90s. And what a, um, what a presence. I'd seen video of her, and so the first morning that I was at the Nisoto, it was also a session, and um, the, there was, a, you know, the, the, I assumed, I was like, is that Ayama Roshi? There was a nun in a brown robe who was like doing bows and was clearly like opening the session. And I thought, oh, she, she doesn't quite look like how I remembered her. But you know, it's hard to tell sometimes from video, and it was a dark room, and I didn't want to just be staring. So I was like, I guess that's her. She's shorter than I thought. Da-da-da-da-da-da. And then um, later that morning, we were back in the Soto, and then in came Ayama Roshi, and she was unmistakable. 
because of her presence, her demeanor, I was like, oh yes, hello. And she's elder now, and she walks with two canes. So she's in her full robes, and she walks with two canes. She walks to her seat, she hands one cane to the jisha, bows to her seat, turns, bows to the sangha. Such a warm person, too. Um, so kind when she met me. Uh, I was kind of, I didn't expect she has a, a bearing of, of austerity, and she just melted. So this human-to-human um, situation that we're in, people making vows to help other people. Sometimes um, people will ask, like, where's the compassion in Zen? What's the compassion practice? I feel like it's totally the Sangha training together. It's the teacher and the student. It's we're all in this together. Let me give you some feedback. It's I'm so tired right now. I could use some help. It's relax. You don't have to be so uptight about it. It's wake up. What you do matters. There was one morning when I was denim during Sishin and I was striking the, um, uh, uh, preparing for Oriyoki, um, there's a meal bell that strikes at a consistent 30 second interval for as long as it takes for all of the servers to get everything set up. And um, the first morning of Oriyoki, things were pretty rusty, so I was striking that bell for a good 25 minutes. <laughs> but, um, at, a, at another moment, uh, it was, it was, I was out there striking the bell and I was confused about some part of the form and I was like a little stressed out about it and I was like trying to count my intervals and hit the bell and I, I, I felt very like kind of heavy and locked in, you know, um, uh, tight and, um, and fatutzed, a little fatutzed. I think I was, in my mind, I think I was blaming the person who trained me for not being clear. If you've ever been there, it's like, he didn't really say, now I don't really know, is it that? Da, 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 da. So I was like in that state. And, um, and, and uh, during, during regular Oriyoki, the abbot walks from his quarters across the courtyard into the, um, the dining room, the kuin, with, with the rest of the monks. And so, um, and, and the bell is timed with the drum to like signal that whole thing. So that's what I was confused about. So I was like striking the bell, not really sure what I was doing in that state. And I looked out and Seto Roshi was coming. And he just like gave me the biggest smile. And I just like melted. It was like one of those cut through moments. The compassion in Zen.
what has been handed down. I mean, how has your life been affected by practice? If you're just getting started, amazing. Stick with it. Stick with it. It's for real. It's totally for real. I want to leave you with a last moment. It was my last morning at Toshoji. And um, this time I was in the role of Jisha. So the Jisha goes and actually gets the abbot and carries his Oriyoki bowls over behind um, Fort Oriyoki. And um, Esho-san, Esho-koshi, was uh, there. And so she's a, a, a good friend and trained at the monastery here for four years in residence before going to Toshoji. And um, she was also an amazing host. Would have been such a different trip without her um, help and support all the way through from the beginning. So um, so her attendant was also there. So it was uh, uh, the two attendants, Seto Roshi and Esho-san, Esho-koshi. And we had the Oriyoki bowls and we were walking we were walking back and the drumming was, was starting and Esho looked and she said, ah, oh, look, and there's a ginkgo tree. So ginkgo is um, commonly found in Zen temples. It's like a sacred tree of, 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 of peace and, and vitality and well-being. And we all looked over at the ginkgo tree and up on top of the ginkgo tree was a heron. Daidoroshi's sort of totem animal, if you will, is the heron. So we're like all like looking up, and Esho-san said, Roshi, have you ever seen that before? And he was like, yes, yes, I've seen that before. <laughs> she was like, I've never seen that before. And he was like, oh, they come there, they come there. Um, and then the heron took off, we stood watching it right up at the top. And then it took off and it flew across the courtyard and up into the mountains. And my heart just went into my throat. And the rest of the morning, I was just so full of um, feeling how these people's lives had like so completely transformed my life. I was like crying into my rice gruel. <laughs> really, my, the person next to me like handed me a Kleenex, <laughs> like that. So, um, you know, that last, that last part of, of, of the Dogen passage They have manifested the power of Buddha ancestors, dwelt in it, and actualized it in the body. Do you know that that's what you're doing here? You're training 
and your Buddha power. The power of the Buddha ancestors. So the next time someone says, what are you doing at that Zen place that you go to? (laughs) You can be like, I'm training in my Buddha powers. (laughs) That's for real. I was very grateful to return. I feel like what we're doing here is so rich and so good. There was... um, yeah, nothing but, but gratitude, really, and um, appreciation. And um, I did, uh, this is sort of an awkward segue, but I can't figure out a way around it. I made a little movie out of like pictures and some short video clips that I took um, on my trip. I made it with all of you in mind. <laughs> Um, kind of thinking of um, like wanting you to see. And um, so it's like shaky and, you know, whatever. Um, there's some chanting in there too. And so um, uh, I, I, saw, I gave the link, maybe, yeah, we're going to post the link in the chat for people at home. You can watch it. And um, we'll put a little email sheet downstairs. So if you want us to send you the link, we can, and you can check it out. It's about 25 minutes. It's texture. It's just a little more of the texture. I love you. (laughs) I love this place. I'm very grateful. Very grateful to my teacher, especially. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. For meditation supplies such as cushions, incense, liturgical instruments, dharma books, and more, visit monasterystore.org. Support for your spiritual practice at home.